0: Folks, I uh, really wish we had a 10-bell salute or, or something for this, but this is uh, this is a very bittersweet special of Beef Sticks podcast. This isn't a normal episode. We're not going to talk about news and notes. We're not going to talk about pay-per-views, and uh, surprisingly, we're probably not even going to talk about trademarks. <sighs> wow, but,
1: that never happens.
0: But over our our short time off, we've taken longer time off, times off before as well. But we, over our short break between season three and season four, an awful lot happened. And of course, this is twenty twenty This was twenty twenty, so that should have been expected, and it kind of was. One thing though, I don't think anybody expected, at least outside of a very few in a small circle, is that pro wrestler Brody Lee, Luke Harper. He, uh, we lost him over the, over the, uh, the break there, and Day after um, Christmas. And paste do you want to say anything before we get into the tribute?
1: Oh, it was just news that rocked the world, man. I've just earlier in the week, there was news that uh, some some wrestling legend, Dan something, had passed away. Danny Hodge, not a Dan
0: something, and he's one of the most prolific figures in pro wrestling.
1: I don't know who he is still.
0: (laughs) You still never looked up Danny Hodge Apple, which I recommend everybody (laughs) listening go to the YouTube machine and look up Danny Hodge Apple. But we'll get to that later on in the the episode one of this season. (laughs) Yes.
1: Uh, But yeah, it was just like shortly after that, and then the word came out that... uh, John Huber passed away, and I was like, "Wait, who's this guy?" <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, "Oh shit, it's Brody Lee." And then uh, spent a few days fighting back tears. Just it, it, the thing is, it's not even due to this man's wrestling career, which has has not amounted to what it should have for him.
0: No, he was just taking off.
1: Yeah, just. Barely getting the wind under his wings and 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 snuffed out of existence just like that, but the man was a great father and a an amazing family man, and that just breaks my heart for his kids and I think that's like I don't know being an overweight male like myself, I have to like live with that what if something happens to me kinda of ordeal and so so when this happened it like was a shock to the system. He's you know, a, a fair amount older than us, but really not not much. Right. And and yeah. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks so bad.
0: So without further ado, um I'm just going to get right into Beefsticks podcast tribute to John Huber. <clears throat>
1: 21 beer salute
0: the exalted one brody lee formerly known as luke harper real name john huber passed away on december 26th at the age of 41 reportedly surrounded by loved ones after a hard-fought battle with a non-covid related lung issue shortly after taking time off to kayfabe sell his injuries from the dog collar match against cody lee began experiencing symptoms of his lung issue He couldn't finish his workouts on his Peloton bike at home, and he couldn't figure out why he was unable to go through his routine workout regimens. Shortly thereafter, towards the end of October, Lee's lungs stopped working, and he was rushed to a clinic in Tampa, Florida. He had a double lung failure, and his lungs were so bad that he didn't qualify for a transplant. AEW Chief Legal Officer Megan, Mega, 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 Mega Parka, It's like La Parka, but Mega Parka. (laughs) Then made phone calls to get Lee transferred from the hospital to the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville on Saturday, October 31st. Quite an eerie Halloween it was. They took him off his machines to see if he could kick out himself because there really was no other thing they could do. That was about the only chance he had. But we wouldn't be doing this tribute if it had worked, so obviously it didn't work.
1: Yeah. Unless it is a work. That'd be pretty shitty, though. That'd be horrible.
0: That'd be like faking cancer just to get somebody over.
1: Oh, he's he's over his shit now. I
0: don't know. I know, right?
1: <laughs> uh, the leader of the Dark Order in AEW wrestling was beloved by fans and industry professionals alike. He first got into wrestling as a backyard wrestler, performing under the ring name Huber Boy Number no. 2. With the likes of Colin Delaney and his real life brother who worked as Huber Boy number one. It wasn't long before he debuted in Shikara Pro using the right stuff Brody Lee gimmick. Lee originally was not scheduled to wrestle at the event, but was instead visiting backstage with friends. However, when Reckless Youth no showed the event, Shikara owner and booker Mike Quackenbush offered Lee the chance to get in the ring. Fun fact. The name Brody Lee came to him in 2003 after watching the movie Mall Rats as he combined actor Jason Lee's surname with the first name of his character, Brody Bruce.
0: That's kind of cool. I didn't know that.
1: It's awesome. Especially well, when he looks just like Bruiser Brody and that, that's not part of the story at <laughs> all.
0: <laughs> that looks nothing like Jason <laughs> Lee. Hello.
1: Well, no, I think if you shaved his face, I think he, he looks a fair amount like
0: Jason Lee. You think he could have played uh, Dave Seville in the upcoming Chipmunk movies?
1: Yeah, I, I'd go for it.
0: All right. Well, Just while don't Chik-
1: ask him to do a southern accent,
0: Well while in Chikara, he wrestled such names as Claudio Castagnoli, Sammy Callahan and the Colony, as well as aligning with Eddie Kingston and Grizzly Redwood to form the Roughnecks. Lee also worked for Ring of Honor for a short time, joining Jimmy Jacob's stable the age of the Fall. This saw Brody Lee enter a famous feud with Necro Butcher before ultimately losing a Loser Leaves Ring of Honor match to Delirious after Delirious had turned on the Age of Fall, ending a five-year run with the Philadelphia-based company. And I recommend folks go to their YouTube machine and look up some Brody Lee Necro Butcher matches.
1: Lee also worked for Evolve, JAPW, Dragon Gate USA, and Dragon Gate in Japan along with several other smaller indies before joining WWE reporting to Florida Championship Wrestling, which became NXT, where he joined Bray Wyatt and Eric Rowan as the Wyatt family. After eight years in WWE, he joined All Elite Wrestling as Mr. Brody Lee on the March eighteenth, 2020 episode of Dynamite, debuting the same night as Broken Matt Hardy and revealing himself as the exultant one the leader of the dark order on december 7th episode of dynamite brody lost a dog collar match to cody and what would be his final match ever ending his reign at 55 days as tnt champion what a pro doing the honors on his way out that's badass that is badass
0: Actually, during his go ahead was he
1: in the bunkhouse brawl match with dustin like the week after i think that was his last match and it was, was... also pretty brutal
0: he was not because he was um, he was out storyline, quote-unquote, after the dog collar match, and they were going to bring him back in a fun angle for the uh, Dark Order. But during his career, he piled up champ- many championships, including AEW TNT Championship, as we just talked about, the Jersey All-Pro or JAPW State Championship, Jersey All-Pro Tag Championship with Necro Butcher, Jersey All-Pro Heavyweight Championship, NWA Empire Championship, NWA Southern Championship, NWA New York Championship, NXT Tag Team Championship with Eric Rowan, WWE Tag Team Championship twice with Eric Rowan and Bray Wyatt, of course using the Freebird rules, and WWE Intercontinental Championship. And those are just the ones with big name companies. He has so many accolades throughout. He is survived by his two sons, Brody and Nolan, and his wife, Cindy Sin, whose real name is Amanda Huber, who wrestled professionally from 2003 to 2009 and was actually the first female cruiserweight champion in independent circuit wrestling, and that's actually where the two met.
1: Although Brody Lee's passing on Boxing Day was met with with a lot of shock in the wrestling world and fans alike, including us here at Beef Sticks, Apparently, Cindy kept everyone on AEW's top brass informed of Lee's worsening condition but didn't want the news to leak out. Some main backstage personnel in AEW and a select few others in the business were aware of the seriousness of his ailment, but it was one of those things few people who knew kept quiet, even though a lot of people began questioning why he had been off AEW TV for months. While Lee made a few appearances after that dog collar match, he never wrestled again as he was injured in the storyline.
0: Something of note Brody Lee Jr., or Brody Huber, or negative one in the Dark Order, or minus one, or they, they had a thought, nobody could agree on what is actual. Even <laughs> negative one, minus one. Uh, but, um, but a. But anyways, about him, he actually defeated Kenny Omega to win the AEW World Championship in a dark segment after the December 23rd Dynamite tapings, which really hinted to those there that something was wrong and led Dave Meltzer, among others, asking about Lee's extended absence from the ring. The only eight-year-old son of Brody jumped on Omega's back, applied a sleeper hold, and made the AEW World Champion tap out. Justin Roberts actually announced Brody Lee Jr. as the new AEW World Heavyweight Champion. Also at the end of AEW's Brody Lee Celebration of Life, Tony Khan named Brody Lee Jr. a TNT champion for life and was awarded the TNT title belt as the show closed on a tribute video for his late father.
1: What an emotional episode of Dynamite that was, too. That was a ride for me. Wow. Good times, and it really uh it really makes me sad that WWE doesn't think more of any of the people who have worked for them and passed on. According to Tony Schiavone on what happened when AEW actually signed Brody Lee Jr. to a legitimate contract a couple of weeks ago, saying knowing that Brody was very sick and knowing it was holiday time, I guess knowing that it was going to be very difficult for him to kick out, they brought little Brody to TV. <laughs> They made him a member of the Dark Order. They put a mask on him. He came out with a kendo stick. He beat up a lot of people. They signed him to a contract. They legitimately signed him to a contract. And when he's of age, he will be with AEW. He also confirmed that the belt designed for the TNT championship is retired, but not the championship itself, saying little Brody negative one, if you will. It is always going to have that TNT belt. We'll come up with a new belt. That'll be his. And they have come up with a new belt. And I say it...
0: I was pretty disappointed in that.
1: (laughs) I mean, it still has TNT, like, plastered all over it, but... They literally
0: have the same belt. They just put a black strap instead of a red strap, and I'm... I
1: prefer the black strap, I gotta say.
0: Yes, I do prefer the black (laughs) strap, but it's like, that's not a different belt. WWE does that with almost every belt they have when a different person wins it. They change it to their color. It's like... Mm. I thought maybe they would come up with a new design. Honestly,
1: if they would have retired the belt and, and came up with something new, I think that would have been the best thing.
0: I agree, but I think I think you and I have talked in the past, especially because of how much I dislike the giant gaudy TNT mm. on the front. It probably it is something to do with uh, TNT. They have obligations where they have to have that belt to promote TNT. Oh, yeah,
1: you know that I mean, that was signed when their extra three-year extension was signed. They're like, yeah, oh, you got to so, make a championship.
0: It's like I get it, I understand that. I also understand the gaudy TNT letters. Doesn't mean I have to like them just because I understand it.
1: Yeah.
0: But it is awesome that they did that. It's awesome that they let him win the AEW Championship. It's awesome that they've put him on TV. They've put him on stage. Uh, the Marco stunt stuff was a little awkward and unneeded, and they should really just let him, you know, sit out, grow up outside of the limelight and do his thing oh
1: even even off off camera well i mean it's on youtube but uh backstage he even beat up adam cole yep (laughs) and uh and live morgan
0: so i mean it's cool for him it's cool that they're doing this to make him happy the hell the Brody lee tribute was written by him yeah. Um, all bad matches. <laughs> but again, it's an eight-year-old who just wanted to see his favorite wrestlers wrestle. And apparently yeah. he's really into heels because there were only two faces that wrestled in the entire show. And they were teaming with a heel.
1: His daddy <laughs> raised them right.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, it was it was fun. Um, the tribute was better, obviously, than the matches themselves. But I'm sure yeah. to his family, the matches really meant something. You know what I mean? They're all friends with those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why they did it. And that's cool. No nobody gives a shit. I didn't give a shit. I wasn't there to watch AEW Dynamite. I was there to watch a Brody Lee tribute. Yeah.
1: To,
0: you know, I, I think I said to you paste. Yeah, I I want to use a, a comic uh a, a comic term and say I I felt like it was non-canon. Like the episode before that and the episode after that exist in a different realm than the episode that that than the realm that episode happened in, but Yeah.
1: I just uh... I like knowing that wrestling companies are willing to do that because it's not, it was definitely not something I've been used to seeing, you know? Great. Eddie Guerrero was the last, well, I guess Chris Benoit was the last one we got, but then WWE fucking put the brakes on that real quick.
0: And and give the devil his due. Everybody was out there talking about how shitty it was that WWE didn't put out a tribute at the time. WWE actually took time and made a very beautiful tribute that they aired on, um, on SmackDown. Uh So I I do like the fact that they didn't just put together a bunch of stock photos and some cheesy music and just jumped it out right away on Monday Night Raw. Yeah. Yeah. They had the the banner in memory of him. And then on on SmackDown, when they had time to produce a very beautiful Uh segment they did. And I recommend watching both of them. And there's a lot of them online from various people, fans and alike. There are so many tribute videos and I recommend watching them all, but I'd say for sure, watch the AEW and the WWE tribute video. You don't need mm-hmm. to watch the whole episode, but that video is even a bunch awesome. of
1: WWE superstars were doing tributes. Uh, uh Byron Saxton kicked it off, uh saying saying it's Monday night, you know what that means. Uh Xavier Woods did the discus clothesline. Mm-hmm. Um there 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 was a lot of a lot of little touching things in the WWE show that uh that I feel like you don't normally see either, and I will give them credit for that. Yeah, but, uh and, and and I can't I can't be mad at WWE for not doing more for somebody who just left the company completely shit all over Vince McMahon with a lot of his sketches in the beginning of his career at AEW. Uh, you know, he, he, it's 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 actually surprising he got what he did get from them. I,
0: right? If you if you actually step back and only look at it business wise, he got more than you would think he would. Oh. He was never a main event guy. He never sold tickets. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love watching Brody Lee. I love the man, but I never once tuned in to see Luke Harper wrestle. And I don't think many people bought a ticket to see Luke Harper wrestle. Yeah. Um, well, and you know,
1: anytime the bludgeon brothers or, or the amalgamation of was in the ring, I was always more Luke Harper than Rowan.
0: Oh, for sure. They were fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's like, it's good. It, it's cool. We just hate to see somebody so young and somebody who, who, who just was taken from us so quickly, obviously, there was about a month and a half where he was really ill, but this is one of the rare occasions the wrestling world did kind of keep it under wraps. And even then, for a 41-year-old who's in, as far as we know, perfect health, to be gone with, within a month and a half is still super quick. <laughs> that, that doesn't happen normally.
1: It's, it's it, Honestly, I'm glad he got to have the dog collar match, but it's a, such a shame that everybody's going to go on wondering if that was what, you know, put him over the edge.
0: Well, I, I don't think it did. I don't think, obviously, it had anything to do with that. Um, I I think medically, there's really no correlation. It's not like he was stabbed in the lungs or something, especially for double lung failure. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe it could have been a blood clot, you know. then Then you could say maybe it came from that. But then again, you can get that just... Doing a regular old suplex too, mm-hmm. and as of this recording, I'm ninety nine point nine percent sure there's been nothing released about what happened with his lungs. We know they quit. We know he had a lung issue, but yeah, it's been mum on it's, what it's exactly really weird it was
1: too. Because because you'd assume there would be some kind of concrete. You know, this is what happened by now.
0: Oh, I'm sure there. I'm sure his family knows, but you know, we don't know. And, and everybody's been really big about it not being COVID-related, and I'm taking that at face value. I believe yeah. them that it has nothing to do with COVID. Right. Uh, most 41-year-olds don't die within a month and a half from COVID. That's not normal either. So I, I definitely take that at face value. I don't know. It's just really caught everybody off guard, even us here at, at Beef Sticks, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. It was within minutes of hearing about it. I was on the horn messaging you like, oh, shit, this happened.
0: Right. I, I and I, yeah, still I was in
1: disbelief while I was messaging you.
0: <laughs> I couldn't believe it because I, uh I, I'd actually just gotten a text from my son's mother who messaged me and told me it. And then you sent it to me and I'm like, holy shit, what's going on here? I'm sitting here. I was fucking relaxing in a bathtub. I had bubbles and everything. And, and my, uh, my sativa Epsom salt, which I just love. Nice. And uh, I was just relaxing, and having fun. All of a sudden, everybody's blowing up my phone about fucking Brody <laughs> Lee dying. And I was like, holy shit. What's going on here? Crazy. It is a, crazy. a crazy world.
1: Yeah, word word about that broke out and got to people faster than word about people breaking into the Capitol.
0: Oh, much faster. <laughs> But you know, people care about Brody Lee. Nobody gives a shit about the Capitol Hello. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> At least they'll get to a remodel now, right?
0: Exactly. <laughs> Gotta buy a new podium, damn it. Um, do you have any any anything else on Brody Lee, uh on John Huber before we move on to uh to more positive news, which is uh which was really fun.
1: He's gonna be missed. And it's it's going to be really hard going with AEW forward and, and just wondering, you know, what could have came if he would have made it through. Yeah. Agreed. It was a flame that was put out far too soon. And hey. and I think it's a shame that WWE never really gave him a, a singles opportunity shot. And I'm not putting this on WWE, but... uh just because he wouldn't fucking speak with a southern accent dude I'm and from Canada
0: <laughs> he wasn't hillbilly enough just wasn't hillbilly enough Brody Lee wasn't hillbilly enough well you know I don't know what to tell you about that <laughs>
1: <coughs> and then I guess yeah I don't know if we're, are we talking about the Bruce Pritchard interview in the next episode
0: uh, the Bruce Pritchard interview.
1: He he did an interview. Um, uh, I'm not sure with who, but he had talked about how WWE fans don't like new things. They they're, they don't want new things, and it's clearly obvious he's talking about Vince McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> and WWE came out and said they completely rejected everything he had to say.
0: <laughs> right. Uh, I thought that was well. That's that's Bruce Pritchard. I love Bruce Pritchard. <laughs> um, as his podcast. But he's definitely—he's an old timer stuck it. He's a very cornet kind of person. Mm. He doesn't want—he doesn't want the wrestling world to move on because he likes it where he was. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of things I see today too where I'm like, oh, I like what I grew up with better than what it is now. But every generation's going to have that, you know. Mm-hmm. It's the same with—I hear so many people, even my age and, and older, talk about music or TV today. The worst thing. Man, the worst thing is when people are like, Oh, cartoons nowadays suck so bad. When we were young they were awesome. Kids have much better fucking cartoons today than we ever had. All of our cartoons were just to sell fucking toys. I young during the more who...
1: educational era, you know?
0: Yeah, which isn't good. it was shitty. We you know, that these is these
1: is still the shit.
0: Yeah, it's it's horrible. <laughs> and it's like all these shows now are written by smart writers who went to fucking college and have degrees and, and think outside the box and actually it actually put like thought into where the story's going and the twists and turns and character development and it's like our cartoons, every episode the characters were the exact fucking same from beginning yep. to end. In the no middle, they change watch, a little bit. Right? They
1: made they made shows for syndication back then. You know, there was no reason yeah, to watch them in like, order. It was always a, a new, entirely different story right. each time.
0: So it's like, I mean, yeah, it goes with wrestling, movies, music, uh, books, social media, anything that's around. my
1: thing. That's my hang-up. I can't move on to any new social media. There you go. <laughs> it's, nope.
0: It's <laughs> difficult, though, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. The fact that
0: the fact that Facebook is actually an old person's social media is—it's uh-huh. funny that there is an old person's social media. <laughs> when I was a kid, I never even knew that would have been a thing. <laughs> it's the
1: worst that my kids listen to rap music that I can't stand. God, it kills oh. me.
0: <laughs> they got—that's another thing. They got such good fucking rap music now, and people want <laughs> no, to shit all over no, it. They don't. They actually do. There's really Drake. Drake's fucking fire. No. I mean, every now and then he puts out a bad song that you know is going to make millions on the radio. But it's like, so what? He makes so many fire fucking hits. Why, why shit on the guy? Because he's Canadian? What the fuck does that have to do with anything?
1: <laughs> Can he speak with a southern accent? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which, by the way, pasty I had to bring it up again and I wasn't going to call you out. He's not Canadian, but he, he is doesn't. too. He's, he's Canadian not, to but...
1: me. All the best for him. <laughs>
0: We'll call him Canadian. I mean, he's, he's a New Yorker. That's close to Canada, I guess. Yeah,
1: yeah. Niagara Falls you know. is the only barrier there.
0: There you go. Exactly.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um. Now we've really gotten off the beaten path again, which is great. That's, that's, that's typical beef sticks. That's trademark beef sticks. We love it.
1: Hey, that's fine. You know, we're only 25 minutes into the first episode of two. I could go off for another hour. I could describe vividly the times I welled up with tears during the tributes. Not so much the matches. The matches were kind of funny. I got to yeah. say, the heel work from MJF and Eddie Kingston kind of made me uncomfortable. I get it, because you got to get your heat, and this is the easiest possible way to ever get heat ever. Right. But when it's that easy, like, do you really have to go for it?
0: I guess I liked it just because I know that Brody that Brody Jr., that I yeah. Brody Huber, knows these guys, and I'm sure he had fun with it, and he got to whap them with kendo sticks and <laughs> shit, and I thought it was kind of cool. It's good to it's know like,
1: that Kendo sticks sound like they're effective even when a small child <laughs> is worldly. Right.
0: And I do disagree with you. I wasn't really I wasn't really taken in by most of the uh what little bit of the uh tributes that I seen. I was like, nah, eh, it's all right, but I'll be honest, I skipped through most of them cuz it's like, well, uh, not me. I didn't I skip a I, I think I watched like 3 of them and they all said like the exact same thing. Like I watched the John Moxley one and it was like Just a typical, like, something you'd say politically or something, and really had no heart. Yeah, I was like, that killed it, right? And that was the first one, and I was like, well. If I skip and I land on a promo, I'll finish watching it, but that's all. <laughs> it was it was,
1: it was was fairly cool when Eric Rowan came out. I'm glad AEW didn't, like, jump to sign him or anything, right? There.
0: Eric Redbeard! It,
1: it, well, it depends on who you're asking, I guess. <laughs> I know, that
0: was funny. They kept, oh, Excalibur kept trying to shut him up. Eric Redbeard! <laughs> Eric and then Redbeard! And Jericho's Rowan. like, it's Rowan!
1: <laughs> no! Redbeard! <laughs>
0: That was that it was, was in awful. the
1: same match too that he kept calling John Silver Johnny Hungy, and I'm like, that's not his name. Yeah. That's, that might be his thing he says, but that's not his name.
0: Uh, <laughs>
1: but all in all, it was it was a it was a good tribute, and I hope our our little tribute um held up a candle to that in any way, shape, or form. Um he's gonna be missed. He's he's gonna be on my mind and uh I wouldn't doubt if he became our logo for a period of time at some point.
0: Your candle burned out long before. The
1: legend ever did. I am really excited, though. If AEW makes it 10 years and Brody Jr. gets to join, fucking uh, MJF is going to be at the pinnacle of his career at that point, and he's going to put <laughs> Brody Jr. over so hard it's going to be the greatest thing right it'll be it'll be wonderful and 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 i'm trusting i'm putting the trust i know it's a long shot but i think aw is gonna be around if impact can do it
0: it's it's uh you know it's one of those things it's like we're gonna have to wait and find out i'd like i i I want to believe they will but that's a that's a huge stone that very few companies have
1: yeah yep
0: but um with that being said talk about uh Talk about companies that lasted way longer than you ever thought they fucking would have. Pasty, we're on season four. We're on year five.
1: The seventh oh. annual Beefy Awards. Yes. Whoever would have thought we'd make it this far.
0: Oh, this is good. This is great. Um, You know, make sure to castrate your animals. <laughs> And with that being said, pasty, let's move right on to 2020, a beefies. I think I'll start it out here. If that's okay with you, we got the best facial hair. We always got to bring that up. Cause a real man knows real facial hair and he's not, oh, yeah. he's not afraid to admit it. And he's not afraid to compliment another man on it. And this one goes to Eddie Kingston's buddy, buddy, the butcher.
1: Yes, indeed. The man's got a brutal look. Just, it
0: he's got a snazzy stash and and you just i just picture him you know the butcher i picture him with a big cleaver shaving uh-huh. his, the side of his face and leaving his stash good while he while he uh curls it with some with some beef lard or pork lard
1: oh you know any man with some big mutton chops has got a special place in my heart
0: damn right chop uh-huh. them muttons baby
1: no, I think it's good. I think it's good because in years past, we've really given people the night who've had the nicest facial hair. And I wouldn't say Butcher has the nicest facial hair, but his facial hair is fucking for real.
0: Yeah, and it just and it works so well with his character. You know, I, I harken back to I guess maybe Marty Skrull, where it's like, and his was very proper, where where this is very rugged, but but it worked well with his character, the villain, the the European. You know, he had the the umbrella and the mask and the steampunk and it it fit his character. Well, this with the butcher, this, you could see him, you know, you, you feel like you could walk into a small mom and pop butcher shop and see him in the back, just hacking legs off a lamb.
1: Yeah. And I, I like the fact that he, his whole aesthetic ages him a good 10, 15 years older than he actually is. But it works in the best way possible. And I got to give the Butcher a whole lot of credit because he's cut a fair amount of weight since joining AEW. He is looking cut. He's he's going to be in a place very soon where he's got a top-of-the-line top star body. And that's what every wrestler wants to have. I tell you, he's going to beat Evil Uno there. Yes, yes. Oh, I love me some butcher. I love me some facial hair. I love me some excessive drinking. Which brings us into our next award, Fat Mac. It is the Slosh Award. This goes to our favorite drunk or high wrestler of the year. And, Fat Mac, this one's for you. This year, the Slosh Award goes to Session Moth Martina. Yes, if Fat Mac was here at the moment, <laughs> he'd be able to give you a little bit more indulgencies into the background of session Ma Martina. I would assume he'll be back very soon.
0: Oh shit, I didn't realize I was on mute. Oh shit. No wonder I was like he's stepping all over my lot. I'm talking and he's stepping <laughs> on me. I'm not I'm sorry, not buddy. you were stepping on me with Ooh. your silence. I'm sorry, I didn't realize the thing Lighting went on me mute. With sl- silence. <laughs> as soon as you said Fat Mac was here, I was like, what, 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 what? <laughs> oh, that's a great way to start off the brand new 2021, baby. You gotta throw in a few of them technical difficulties that we're famous for. Oh yeah. Um uh, yeah, what what better person I mean Session Martina Moth, uh she she comes to the ring drinking beer She's drunk in the ring. Half the time she passes out before her opponent even gets to the ring or before the ring bell chimes. You toss her a beer, crack one open, put a little down her throat. She pops up, she's ready for the fucking match. I mean this is the kind of this is the kind of person that we uh, that this award was created for. You know, in the past we've had to kind of stretch what we consider the slosh award and, and more behind the scenes drinking, people that are known outside of wrestling for drinking. But, man, this is one of the few characters in 2020 that was built around being drunk and partying. She was a party girl. YouTube videos of her going out and, and, and sloshing with the, the backstage correspondents and getting them sauced. and <laughs> It's good stuff. She's fun. Yeah, yeah. She's wild. She parties. And if you don't know Session Moth Martina, I'd say hit up your YouTube machine, put it in there. Not only, she's a really good wrestler, so watch some of her matches, but just check out, there's a lot of just her entrances, and check out her entrances. She's just, she just wants to party. That's all she wants to do.
1: She does such a good job at it this year, she beat out Chris Jericho to take home the Slosh Award. Which is pretty insane, if you ask me, seeing as the man invented champagne.
0: Well, you know, when you invent champagne, that's something else. <laughs> little bit of the bubbly. little
1: bit of the bubbly. Plus the oh. whole, uh, the, 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 Las Vegas, uh, episode was pretty awesome.
0: That was, that was very fun indeed. Yes. But the only time we really got to see a drunk or, or messed up Chris Jericho though on screen. Otherwise he just always, well, I mean,
1: otherwise you just got to look at the weight he's been it. putting on.
0: Mm. <laughs> Sometimes it looks like Chris Jericho's in there wrestling a match and he's a tag team. Cause he's almost two people. And pasty, that brings us to our two piece award for the best tag team i don't think this would shock anybody um especially considering the recent uh brand new pwi top uh tag team top 50 that just came out but we got ftr as the best tag team this year there are two piece award winners pasty
1: yes forever tantalizing radishes oh always Mm. always love me some radishes no, well, these guys uh, were the hottest commodity for a good minute after they were released with WWE. And they picked the right place to go to with AEW. Uh, honestly,
0: they haven't done a whole lot. I mean, except win the AEW Tag Team <laughs> Championships. And lose them.
1: <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, they're... I'd say easily, hands down, FTR deserves best tag team of the year. Um, Will they be next year? Time will only tell.
0: Yeah, uh, there's a lot of competition in AEW for a tag team. And with with this pandemic uh, seeming to maybe get a slightly bit more under control, and so many wrestling companies growing, there's only going to be more competition going forward. Uh, The former mechanics are definitely, definitely always going to be front runners, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited to see what can happen if, uh, with uh, AEW Impact working together with the FTR, because Impact has a very, they've always been really good with tag teams. You think of Mm -hmm. the tag teams that came from Impact from the Motor City Machine Guns, Beer Money, uh, the, the Young Bucks. Uh, so many tag teams have come through there that there's a lot that and could so happen. There's
1: so many more to come with Top Flight, the Acclaimed. There's so much to the future. I'm just looking forward to seeing, seeing any team in AEW shake it up with FTR. And I'm even more looking forward to FTR making the leap over to Japan.
0: That I would love to see that. Yes. Now, that's something I would love to see.
1: And I think it's only a matter of time before it happens.
0: You know, call me a dreamer, but I'd love to see it.
1: <laughs> Speaking of the witch, we've got a new inductee into the hall of the Dreamer with this year's Dreamer Award. For those of you who didn't listen to last year's, the Dreamer Award is just what it sounds like. No, not not at all. The Dreamer Award is inspired by Tommy Dreamer for wrestlers who are washed up and just need to get the fuck out of here. Correct. Don't let this guy hear me say this because he's going to kill me, okay? (laughs) (laughs) But I think we've watched a fair amount of wrestling this year even with the vast buffet of choices to make. I've seen enough Ken Shamrock matches to know that it's time to hang it up, Ken. He's still got a good body, but don't fucking destroy it before you have, you know, the rest of your life to live. Enjoy that body and get the fuck out of Impact Wrestling, please.
0: Yeah, you know, he's never been the best as far as pro wrestling goes. Amazing, amazing fighter. Great fighter. Um, Somebody I wouldn't want to fuck with or piss off. He was never a great promo and, uh, you know, I think he had his best matches with The Rock, and maybe that's because he was so serious and The Rock was so animated. I'm not sure. But definitely, I mean, hell, The Rock inducted him into the Impact Wrestling Hall of Fame. But it, he's past his prime. That You think about it. it he won the NWA slash TNA title back in 2002, and people were calling him an old-timer then because you yeah. think about it. He had been in WWE since 1997, so that would have been five years prior. And before that, he had a lengthy UFC career. I mean, he's had had full careers in multiple companies. So come on, buddy. Take a page from your brother Frank and just call it a night.
1: I was nice to him for a lot of this year, too, even though he wasn't up to snuff with all the young talent. I I gave him credit. But by the end, yeah, no, uh, Shamrock, it's, it's uh, just hang it up. It's better to go out on top, and you're past that. So <laughs> He's uh... definitely
0: not on top, but Pasty, we're going to move on to an award that talks about the top promotion in top 2020. Top. And as we said, so many promotions made so many moves, especially considering how much we're shut down. The entire world, the entire pro wrestling community, everything but one company proved that a
1: corrupt little state called florida
0: (laughs) and one company proved that uh they were more than a one-hit wonder their sophomore year was pretty goddamn good and to be fair their sophomore year that they were great at was a year that most wrestling companies had some of their worst years Mm -hmm. but being best of the worst is still being the best isn't it it is being the best And the best goes to the elite, and the elite is in all elite wrestling. And for this to be a company's second year in existence, this is easily the largest wrestling company in year two of their existence ever in the history of pro wrestling.
1: You know, Fat Mac, they definitely entertained me more this year than any other company. They didn't have a whole lot of competition. They didn't because but, who was down this year? New Japan was down ring of honor. NWA was down and giving them talent to use.
0: Yep, MLW, <laughs> um impact. Impact was one of the first to come back, but they were yeah. down a good chunk. Also, it was basically just for a while. There it was basically just WWE and AEW.
1: Yeah.
0: And they were both, I give them credit uh, because they were both trying to find a way to create content in a brand new world that nobody's seen coming. Unprecedented is the word that most wrestling people use for a lot of things. This was a very unprecedented year. And I would say AEW adapted to it the best. They definitely changed. They definitely, they didn't stick to what they started out wanting to become. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people can dog them for that, you know, but the, the truth is they had to adapt they didn't create the wrestling business knowing that this pandemic was going to hit. So the fact that they were able to, to be the best promotion at a time when not only everything changed, but they really didn't have any foundation to stand on Mm -hmm. impact ring of honor, NWA, WWE, new Japan. They all had a foundation (laughs) to stand on that. That was built up over years, decades, actually all of them decades. Wow. Well, yep. Yeah, yeah, decades almost.
1: And here's AEW on year two. Just chugging yep. right along. And not only that, but I think you got to give credit. They made the best out of a bad situation and not only dragged themselves through the shit, but they brought the bulk of independent wrestling with them with AEW Dark. Some of these episodes, two and a half hours long, 15, or three hours matches. long. Yeah, like they really. Did their part, I think, to make sure the people who who are going to be the future of this industry still were able to work.
0: If nothing else, they gave they gave the boys a payday. Yeah. Even if nobody fucking watched it, they gave the boys a payday. Uh huh.
1: WWE do that shit and be like, oh, exposure. Enjoy it.
0: WWE straight up fucking let go. Of 50%, well, not 50%, a huge percentage, uh, the largest percentage of their roster since the mid-90s, and they had the best fiscal financial year they ever had. So you can't tell me that's why they did it.
1: But once again, you got to tip the hat to WWE for this, too, because if it wasn't for Vince McMahon, Florida would have, wouldn't have allowed wrestling to uh, continue during the pandemic, I wouldn't think.
0: That is true, Pasty, and uh, <laughs> I almost think that would be another, uh, him putting so many folks at risk would be another reason for him uh, for for what's coming up next.
1: <laughs> right? Because you can't have a best promotion, Fat Mac, without a worst promotion and baby, hands down, this one goes to you, Vince McMahon. WWE, I don't think this is the first time. I don't think it'll be the last
0: time. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, let's, first of all, let's just be fair. There were pretty much only two companies that ran the majority of the year. Right. So one was going to get best and one was going to get worse. That was kind of just going to happen no matter what. Um, but wwe had a head start they should have been able to clinch this uh uh-huh. they didn't
1: no and it seems like we everywhere where AEW made the right moves this year wwe made the wrong ones they let go of the wrong people they booked the they they, they drug up three rounds of stars from nxt to do absolutely nothing with them um retribution <laughs> happened
0: yeah, they did one good thing this year, and that was Roman Reigns, and that's something yeah. that we've been asking for for years. And maybe I'm just wouldn't have been say good without the weight, you but... could
1: have got here without lying about cancer.
0: Um, yeah, I agree.
1: <laughs> all you had to do was make them heal in the first place. That's all we wanted, <laughs> and now we got it. And it's good because it's 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 like at first I was like, "Fuck yeah, heal Roman Reigns," and now I'm like, "I don't like you anymore." And that's that's the way it should be. Yeah. you you oh. go ahead and talk too much during matches Roman reigns because it it gets the heat from me <laughs>
0: right <laughs> yeah it's uh it, it, it was it was a rough year for everybody but I'd say dumb and but we say that and let's just go back to what I, I said prior to this they had their best year f- financially so they're actually doing something right as a company. Uh-huh. It just seems as a wrestling promotion, they're they're doing a lot wrong, and maybe I mean, maybe that's what they're looking to do. They're making money. I guess it's hard to argue that. But as you and I had their best fiscal
1: year, even though they were sued by the Volunteer Firefighters of America, (laughs) (laughs) they had their best fiscal year, even though the year prior Vince sold three billion dollars worth of stocks and invested in a failed product right to fail again (laughs) best year ever
0: i mean uh hey
1: and now they're looking at unionization they've taken away people's livelihoods with streaming and third-party sources
0: yeah wwe
1: is on track to be our worst promotion for the foreseeable future
0: the sad part is this uh this pandemic is definitely gonna push off that unionization argument for easily another year. I mean yeah. and it's a long argument anyways, it, it wouldn't happen well, for year. People a think twenty twenty is
1: over. I saw this awesome meme the day that they stormed the Capitol and it was Day ha, six
0: of twenty twenty one no, it said,
1: Ha, nice try December thirty seventh, twenty twenty.
0: Yeah, I seen that. <laughs> uh
1: It ain't over. (laughs) You know,
0: pasty. at the beginning of 2020, we didn't know all this shit was going to happen. There was a virus that existed over in the Orient that didn't affect us. We had a president that we got pretty lucky with
1: Ebola, you know, a couple years (laughs) prior.
0: We had a president that we knew was going to be gone in a year and couldn't make things any worse than he already had. (laughs) I mean, shit was, was pretty solid. And you know what? (laughs) Coming into 2020, We got probably we got what is the best pay per view of 2020, and we got to get our best pay per view award out. Mm. New Japan Wrestle Kingdom, both night one and two, we put them together.
1: First pay per view of
0: the year, and the best. I mean, and I guess obviously the pandemic hit after. The best. (laughs) Pandemic hit in in, uh, March, so we only had what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We only had eight pay-per-views that probably could even get a chance to be the best, because yeah, the pandemic fucked everybody. Uh-huh. But with that being said, that was, New Japan Wrestle Kingdom between you and I, we graded that a an A plus, and that's the only A plus. Fucking,
1: I got double gold. How full. could it not be an A plus?
0: In that fact, was... the only <laughs> the only that matches that the only pay-per-views that came close, the Rumble got an A. New Japan New Beginning got an A, good to good for New Japan, NXT had their last good takeover in Portland with an A, and then surprisingly TLC at the end of the year got an A, other than that, uh, it was a pretty lackluster year, it was a pretty poor year, and with that being said, I'm actually going to uh, Pasty, we go above and beyond, you know that here at Beef Sticks Podcast, and Everybody's all into the numbers nowadays. And Pasty, we have the numbers for 2020 pay-per-views, our average grades per company. And, of course, to apply for this, you had to have three or more pay-per-views or slash special shows in your calendar year. And we're just going to go from worst to best. And, uh, boy, I bet nobody could guess the worst. WWE got a C grade from us with a 4.6.
1: I think we gave an NXT and NA, didn't Uh, we? We invented the NS, NA and the S rank in
0: 2020. <laughs> um, well, well, we did solo, but not as a combined grade. Okay. Um, so WWE, but of course WWE had the most pay-per-views, so it's probably a, a given they probably would be worse. The more, the more you have, the, the lower your rating goes down, but we get it, whatever. AEW. Second to last, they were the best promotion. Did great on TV. Did a lot with uh, AEW Dark and did a lot for wrestlers. They didn't have great, didn't have great major shows this year, especially not when you consider the uh, All In that kind of spawned this. Yeah. Which of course wasn't an AEW event, but still, come on, we know it's the precursor.
1: Yeah. AEW
0: well, the though, first guys,
1: two AEW pay per views were real rough because that was the beginning of the pandemic.
0: Correct. Yeah, that that was hard for them. That
1: was Brody Lee and Matt Hardy debuting in front of nobody like the first fucking week of, whoa.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> so they ended up getting a B and, uh, with a 7.75. And to be fair, NXT also only got a B this year, which is surprising. NXT Takeovers used to be awesome. But NXT got a slightly higher average with an 8 instead of a 7.75. So just barely uh, upped AEW. So they're pretty much a tie. Which makes sense. They're the yeah. two that compete against each that's, other, that's right? The
1: competing forces.
0: That's Impact the way I Pro, like it. Impact Pro Wrestling did few shows, but the shows they did, they tried to go all out and give you what you wanted. B-plus for Impact Wrestling with an 8.6. And New Japan Pro Wrestling, also very few show, major shows, but put a lot in there. A-minus with a 9.5. So all in all, uh there you go. That's kind of how the the pay per views went this last year. Watch the New Japan and Impact ones. You could probably skip the rest.
1: <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa,
0: whoa, 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 whoa! Whoa, 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 whoa,
1: whoa! I think I think somewhere in here we're talking about the best pay per view. We're about to talk about the worst pay per view. But uh I think we need to talk about the worst pay per view ever. Talking Shopomania Part One. <laughs> has to get a shout out man
0: they definitely deserve it they were they uh,
1: brought entertainment oh, back to fun. pro wrestling this year <laughs> like honestly the second one might not it might have been a little bit too much retreading the same shit but i love it i can't wait for the next one if you haven't seen them 15 go buy it it's yours to keep forever and you'll watch it a few times, I promise. And Actually,
0: I believe if you buy it, you uh, you get both of them at $15. Oh, nice. I'm pretty sure they have them combined at this point now. So, yeah, you can get both one and two. And, yeah, I think they should have at least put like six months in between them or something like that. A little too much of the same, but definitely just for the concept and to actually go – I mean, they put their own money on the line to, to do this, to go and all out and uh,
1: – talking shop of three might have a little bit more aew affiliation huh
0: you could only imagine
1: that'd be good times could be the, could
0: be great times
1: could be incredibly horrible who knows <laughs> that's the beauty yeah. of talking shop
0: you never know you put too many out pasty and uh the fans could come and, and give you some backlash you know
1: oh backlash I don't even remember why this is the worst pay-per-view of 2020, and that probably says it all.
0: Yeah, probably because it sucked. <laughs> I couldn't tell you a single match from it. WWE Backlash 2020. I don't know. <laughs> I think, wasn't this the first Backlash in quite a few years also, if I remember right? think maybe Yeah,
1: because yeah, Lashley's back. You know, that's why they did it.
0: <laughs> that's what it is.
1: And I'm pretty what sure oh, it was uh, Black History Month.
0: See, the thing was, and this is, people don't know this, but WWE, they can be kind of racist, especially towards blacks. We've gone over it in detail in in former episodes. And I'm sure we will more. Yeah, but we're not going to rehash that here. (laughs) But the thing was, Lashley came back, and um, Vince, (laughs) Vince, Vince Vince said to himself, he said, Bobby, you're looking just amazing, my God, but you need more cocoa butter. You're all ashy. I got it. The next pay-per-view we have is going to be Black Ash. <laughs> and you're going to headline Cocoa Butter on a Pole. <laughs> but legal got a hold of him, uh, talked him down, and they talked him into changing but it from Black Ash. The Great Balls of Fire was magnificent. <laughs> To change it from black ash to backlash um, so that's that's kind of an un, you know not a very wide known story but that's that's actually how backlash got brought back
1: right 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 yeah. keep keep talking a minute I'm gonna dive back and I'm gonna see if I can find some information on this pay-per-view
0: um well you know what I think uh, while you do that I'll go into the next award and we can always hop right back and explain why <laughs> this one was so awful because I agree I, I don't remember really much of anything. Uh, I guess i I could say what our our cumulative grade was for backlash, and that was an f and it was the only F this year, so I do know <laughs> that's not good when you get an F, something really <laughs> took you put you over the edge for that. But moving on, we got one of our our most favorite and most fun awards of all time, one of the few that are actually named. For uh, Actually, I think the only one we have named after... Well, no, the second one we have named after a wrestler. There's, of course, the Dreamer Award. We have the Mick Foley Award. And, of course, we award this to the best hardcore-slash-bloody-slash-brawling-slash... You know, you can call them a thousand and one things. We know what a a Mick Foley Award match is. It's just rough, rugged, and raw. And, boy, did we see that in AEW's dog-collar match between Cody and Brody Lee... The one that may have killed Brody Lee. <laughs> um, we actually, you know, put this on our list of contenders before we knew Brody was dying, and I, I think it seems fair. It was a really all I th- definitely the best dog collar match, and I think we said this when we were recapping it, or maybe I did. Since um, uh, since Piper Valentine, which which is uh, Starcade, I want to say eighty seven. Oh, yeah. If you haven't seen it, I definitely recommend go back and watching that. That's a badass dog-collar match.
1: Well, you know, we live in this era where when WWE brings back a classic match, it usually sucks dick so much we never want them to bring it back again. True. And when they announced this dog-collar match, I think you and I both knew it was going to be something special right out the box. I mean, it's Cody Rhodes, who... Yeah, he's probably not the best wrestler in the world, but he knows how to tell a story in the ring, and he knows how to fucking put it out there.
0: He's let's put it this way: as far as bleeding in a match, he's this he's this deck or this uh, generation's Ric Flair. Not wrestling ability, but definitely for bleeding in a match, he's this <laughs> generation's Ric Flair, where he's gonna do it whether you want it or not. <laughs> and then, of course, you got Brody Lee. Uh, made his name in CZW, Shikara, all, uh, um, um, Jersey All Pro Wrestling, and a lot of those were doing hardcore matches. His matches, um, with Grizzly Redwood, his match Necro, oh, his matches with Necro Butcher are just things of legend, as I mentioned earlier. Look him up. He's he's a hardcore icon, and I think Cody, you know, trying to uh fulfill his lineage. I think he wants to be like Dusty, because Dusty was another crimson mask, blonde-haired, full of red. He'd go out there, and he'd bleed. I mean, if you ever seen an interview with Dusty Rhodes, his forehead looks like a Rand McNally Atlas. I mean, there's lines going everywhere. Yeah. Uh... He was not afraid to bleed a little.
1: And in the beginning of this match, this was like uh, this was gonna be the first real Brody match. You know, we had I think Brody versus Mox at this point, but this this you knew it was gonna be something. We didn't know what we were getting from Brody yet. Still,
0: yeah, because and... the Brody Mox one underperformed. I hate to speak ill of the dead, but it definitely underperformed. I think by almost everybody's expectations. It, it's
1: really hard when Mox just had that killer match with Omega. You know, six months prior, right. And and then bringing Brody back, and we're all like CZW man, <laughs> right? And it yeah, it wasn't wasn't what it was supposed to be. But this dog collar match, I think, blew some shit away. You
0: no, know, basically, you said something right there that I'm going to uh, go back and tack on to AEW being the best promotion this year, even though that they ran the entire year barely shut down. One thing I love about AEW, you just said, that that match he had six months ago. AEW only has like six, seven major events every year.
1: No, pay-per-views, and they have four.
0: They have four pay-per-views, and, and then they have like three, four, dynamics. like, quote-unquote major yeah. events. Yeah. So it's like, so they actually mean something, as opposed to WWE. WWE, I mean, within within 2 3 months you can have 6 pay-per-views.
1: Right, yeah, especially and you with have come- NXT.
0: Yeah, and you have completely forgot by the time you're at that 6th one what happened at the 3rd one, let alone what happened at the 1st one.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's so good with AEW cuz by the time a pay-per-view finally rolls around, I actually want there to be a pay-per-view. You
0: know? unless yeah, something
1: happen. Yeah, there's a good build up. And and you, you want that fucking, you want something from it. and This was the
0: year, pasty and it might have been Backlash. I don't fucking know, but I think it was later in the year. This was the year that WWE had a pay-per-view literally seven days after a pay-per-fucking-view. <laughs> it was fucked. Actually, it was later because I think it was SummerSlam, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. no uh, And Backlash was bad because it was the week after, just days after the greatest Royal Rumble. Oh, um, that
0: couldn't have been any good.
1: This was when the Sheamus, Jeff Hardy, Jeff you Hardy's drug addict it. shit came back. The drunk driving shit storyline started. Um, Oscar won the championship here. That was good. Uh, Braun Strowman defeated Miz and Morrison. In it, wasn't, it wasn't after
0: the greatest Royal Rumble uh, pasty. Was, backlash, backlash was in oh, uh, right. June, and and they were locked down long before that.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, it was but nonetheless, double or nothing. but nonetheless, yeah, yeah. Backlash was pretty rough. Um, Drew McIntyre defended his gold against Bobby Lashley. Braun Strowman defeated Miz and John Morrison in a two on one ha- handicap for the universal championship. Uh, and then they had the greatest wrestling match ever. Randy Orton defeating edge in the last time anybody saw edge in a WWE.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm like 99% sure I didn't watch any of that. So I just I just said it sucked <laughs> just cuz I wouldn't watch it and then I think you watched some of it or something and it was horrible, so we just went with F.
1: Yeah, I think I fell asleep before the the main event. I yeah. don't know. It was it was not good. Not a good show.
0: Pointless. Pointless, folks. Pointless. pointless. But, you know, I mean WWE it's a, it's a new it's a new decade it's a new year it's a new day it's a new month WWE could come back this year pasty
1: they could I almost expect it But at the same point they got Vince McMahon so who the fuck knows what we do know is 2020 had one major comeback of the year and honestly it's something I never thought I'd be saying. Fucking Roman Reigns returning at SummerSlam as a heel and finding out a week later that Paul Heyman was his manager. Yes. Roman Reigns finally gets an award that isn't shitting all over him because that's usually what he gets stuck with. He got
0: a positive (laughs) award, and he's earned it. I think he's earned it. He has. Yeah, And I look at this and I'm like, you know what? I don't blame Roman for his years of being stuck as a fucking worthless, shitty baby face. Because if he looks like he's really enjoying and going all in on this heel, it's like, you can tell this is what it should have been. For. I mean, it was from the very beginning when well, he yeah, came yeah. in and was healed, he was a was heel. The heel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then they wanted to make him the next John Cena because Cena was getting movie roles and it's like, it just didn't work, and now I mean, Reigns looks like he's having the most fun he's had since being in WWE at all.
1: Oh, definitely, definitely. His work lately with Kevin Owens has been really good too. They did a cage match, and then they had—I uh, don't even think it was a match; it might have just been a brawl where they fought back into the the um, the Thunderdome screens area, and he threw yep. Kevin Owens off of like the second row into through a table. And it looked brutal, and he legit busted Kevin open, Kevin Owens open with punches prior to doing it too. Just a little bit of blood, but you could tell.
0: Right, it was a hard way. Mm-hmm. And he was able to turn probably the second most over babyface team in the Usos, New Day being the most over uh-huh. into heels. Just, I mean, we don't even know how he did it. He just beat the shit out of one of them. <laughs> And then it's like, okay, fuck, you can't beat him, join him now. They're part of him. And and they come off as legit heels now. Mm-hmm. You know, when yeah, they were I don't doing even that...
1: have this inkling like, oh, he's going to turn on Roman at one point. And da, da, da,
0: which right, is good they have. did that, what was that, locked, what, what were they doing where they were like locked down or whatever? Remember when they tried to be heels in the past? It was something jail related. It didn't, it basically by your silence, we can, we can assume it didn't <laughs> work the last time they tried to make the Usos heal.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, Uso Uso Penitentiary. Penitentiary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It didn't fucking Granted, work at all. It did. Well, we when they
1: were, when they were in that heel gimmick mode though, we had that tag team hell in a cell match with them in the new day. And that was one of the best hell in a cell matches we've seen in a very long time.
0: Oh, it was an awesome match. They just weren't great heels. You know no. what I mean? Yeah. Outside of the ring, they just didn't really... Yeah,
1: they also did that shitty rap battle with Wale as the judge. Oh. <laughs> oh. Although although, although, Jey Uso did jab at Xavier Woods for fucking Paige. That was good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was rough. Big shout-out to Wale, though, man. Wale Mania got canceled this last year also, and that's a... That's always a great fucking show, and hopefully, 2021 gets Wally Mania again. Yes. Um,
1: Wally does the new theme song for Big E. Does he? Yep.
0: That's awesome. It's pretty good. I don't. I've never heard it, but it's still awesome.
1: I'm sure you'll hear it once.
0: Ah, once he is um,
1: your uh, intercontinental champion.
0: Nobody knew that, to be honest. <laughs> Speaking of nobody knew that um, nobody knew what was going to happen. And I I can guarantee you folks, this next award, this was not given out of pity at all. And in fact, um, again, this was on our contenders before anything happened with Mr. Brody Lee, basically best faction this year, dark order. And this was a year with a lot of factions emerging. AEW, is uh the WWE of the, the mid 90s where everybody has to be in a faction. That's just what it is. There's Jurassic Express with three people. There's Kingston's group. There's Eddie Pac's Kingston's group. fam. Baby's kids. There's yeah, there I mean <laughs> everybody's got a faction and um, and the fact that this isn't even the the main faction. You could argue that the inner circle's the main faction, but the inner circle Super hit or miss this year. Sometimes yeah. they were great. Sometimes they were corny as shit and reminded me of like early '90s, late '80s WWF.
1: We're not talking oh. shit on dinner debonair. That was some class A shit. Okay, we're that just was Just to get awesome. that clear,
0: that was 100%. amazing. That uh, was awesome. I agree. Super
1: props to them.
0: <laughs> uh, but Dark Order, man, these guys came from being a nothing group who couldn't even throw fucking punches that everybody knew wouldn't last. <laughs> And I think it literally took Brody Lee coming in, and again, we're not sucking in the dick of the dead, okay? We're not doing that. But when Brody Lee came in, not only did he give some legitimacy to it, I honestly don't think most people know the Super Smash Brothers. I think most people listening to this would hear the Super Smash Brothers and think of a video game. And they were the biggest name in the Dark Order, was the Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, so obviously Brody Lee came in, and not only did he give him legitimacy, but they actually changed the way they worked. Mm-hmm. Awesome.
1: I love I love what they evolved into. And if you weren't really following outside of just Dynamite or Dark, you probably wouldn't notice it. Because uh, Dark Order shined most on being the elite with their comedy acts and the, all the uh, skits the,
0: they put together. The side Dark Order people, yeah, not the yeah. main... Exactly. Brody
1: Brody was in it for for a good chunk too. up until that dog collar match. He was in it almost weekly after he joined. Um, But he wasn't really the comedy. He was like the serious screaming in people's faces throwing papers. Are you crying, bitch? (laughs) Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then you see him fucking busting out <laughs> he corpsing like a motherfucker just busting out laughing. <laughs> uh,
1: that's what they said. Every time he was on screen he never broke character, but as soon as he was out of frame he'd crack up and he'd fuck up their shots so many oh. times because of it.
0: Yeah, and he made all of them fucking corpse so yeah. much. <laughs> yeah. Um uh, of course John uh Silver got over like fucking crazy. Oh, yeah. You know, they brought in Anna Jay and I think Anna Jay has done amazing.
1: She is doing very Um, good, and I look forward to uh, more more of uh, what's to come yet because she is still very green, very, very just beginning.
0: See, I really want her to become the new, if there is a new leader of the Dark Order, Uh, if anybody is. I want her. I don't want it to be an outside person. Right. Um, I like her because, A, like you said, she's green. She needs work. She can be a mouthpiece. She can be a second. You know, she can be something like that. Plus, I mean... I don't know. Um, I, I don't know the the history very much between Anna J and Brody Lee, but I do know. Do you know why Anna J is ninety nine pasty? Uh, not offhand, no. Brody Lee actually gave her that number, and and he said that everybody in the Dark Order, for the most part, gets to pick their number, but he gave her that number. Because 99 is Wayne Gretzky's number. He's a huge hockey fan, and he feels she could become the greatest of all time. See,
1: he is a Canadian. I was (laughs) right the whole time.
0: (laughs) He's a closet Canadian. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so it's like, I mean, Brody Lee even seen the greatness in her. So Mm. it's like, I I can dig that. I can dig that for sure.
1: And as of this week's Dynamite, Ty Conti is part of the Dark Order, too. Is she? Yes.
0: Uh, interesting. That's very interesting. I like having more than one female in in a faction. Cool beans. I so
1: I, I, th- I think I think they're building them up, and of course they're going to build them up to be something now more, especially more than they were, you know, first chapter Dark Order. Right. They Ooh, almost feel obligated. Dark now. Orders here. Brandy better make the Nightmare Collective faction because that makes sense. <laughs> right. Ah. <laughs> uh, that that still kills me. But Dark Order has definitely showed up and shown out and honestly, they're the reason I tune into being the Elite Weekly. That there you I, go. I just I can't wait to see their segments. The stuff where they the, the like the last 3 months they've been trying so hard to get Hangman Page to join the faction and they threw a cowboy party and fucking had right. little tiny cowboy hats and uh, just so good. So good, you gotta watch the shit. And and I
0: and I, and I will say, I, I know that's the overwhelming response on the internet, but I do not want Hangman to become the new leader of the no, Dark Order. No, no. Everybody I want seems him going, to be but...
1: in the Dark Order. I don't want him to be the leader of the Dark Order. And at that point, you know, he could he could you know eventually turn on them and and beat the leader to go back to the elite at some point. But right. uh, but I do want. Alex Reynolds, John Silver and Hangman Page to be a three-man tag team for a long time. The we good, need the, the bad and title. the hungry. They say they're going to do it. They say they're going to have either a trios or a factions championship and instead we got the second edition of the TNT championship.
0: Well, we got the we got the black strap on it. Yeah,
1: the black strap on. My favorite one.
0: Oh, (laughs) speaking of black strap-ons, Pasty, what's the next award we got? What's the next big black beefy? (laughs) I never thought
1: of the beefy being black, but from now on, you know what? It is.
0: Give it to me, baby. Come on. It's
1: time for the Beef Sticks Beefy Award Match of the Year Winners to be crowned. Man, I gotta go to the Bucks to F T R at full gear. This was This was a New Japan match in America. This was it was everything you could possibly want in a match. It was the full package. And and there was so many times. I like how you called
0: it the full package when we're talking about the big black beefy.
1: Yeah, exactly. Full package. (laughs) Yeah, this this match. As soon as it happened, we talked about it. We're like, this this could be match of the year. And yeah, you're you're damn right, it it was.
0: I mean, there there was a handful of contenders for us, mm-hmm. and uh, and and there really was. Um... Let's see, we had, I want to say... Naito
1: and Evil was on there, I'm
0: pretty sure. Naito and Evil, Ibushi Okada from Wrestle Kingdom, which got the pay-per-view of the year. Mm-hmm. The War Game, the men's war games match, I mean, it just yes. recently happened and, and was one of the best matches of all and had some amazing talent in it. For how
1: long but, and how many spouse fish, finishes there were in that match, it did almost feel like a Japan quality match. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and that one could. You know what? That one I wouldn't have been upset with winning it, but I honestly do feel when you sat back and, and looked, it's like Bucks FTR did it without a gimmick, and oh, it was yeah. it was it was as good, if not better, but at least as good and without a gimmick and with only four people deserves it. This you know they <sighs> AEW has always said they were going to be Mox tag team front. Uh,
1: Kenny Omega, yeah. Hangman, Adam Page were on that contenders list too.
0: Yeah, but you know they—they they always said they were they were really going to focus on tag teams, and this, this was a, a, the best match of the year for all of the companies, at least according to us. And it's a tag team match, and two of the, you know, the Bucks have long been considered one of the best tag teams in the world. FDR just recently have been considered one of the best tag teams of the world. There was a point we never thought they would see each other. Two completely different styles that shouldn't go well together. Shouldn't. And they made beautiful harmony. Uh Uh-huh.
1: You knew it was magic from the second you started watching it. To the very end. And everything made sense. And the the finish made sense because Dax got up in his britches. His partner was out. And he figured, you know what? To beat the Young Bucks, I got to go to the top rope. And And He he made a fatal flaw.
0: And this was after Tully Blanchard was ev- evicted from the ringside. Yeah. And and he'd been with them every match before that. I still think they need
1: that. to lose Blanchard, by the way. I think they'd be so much better off without him as a mouthpiece. I think they can talk just fine on their own.
0: But his I, I like him being a second without having to be a mouthpiece. I, uh, I, you know, I think he can I'm be a saying, second without being a mouthpiece. Some of my
1: least favorite promos, and maybe that should be a new beefy award in the future. <laughs> But my least favorite promos were were Blanchard and and um, Jake Roberts back yeah. and forth. That was some of the hardest listening I've I've had to go through in a long time.
0: Right, and, and you've listened recently listened to Nickelback, so that's saying a lot.
1: <laughs> you know, they had Woo. the better cover of The Devil Went Down to Georgia in in 2020, and that's me giving Nickelback over Corn and Yellow Wolf, which breaks my heart
0: but but not over cdb correct
1: yeah definitely not
0: okay 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 just just checking <laughs> charlie daniel's band always top devil
1: actually top uh devil. devil went to jamaica from the live wire days that's the best one
0: devil went to jamaica um well pasty uh trying to think of whose fucking turn it is now. That'd be you. I brought and in the you match had of the year. I don't remember how things go. Yep. Basically, breakout star of the year. I don't have a, a fun segue because I forgot whose fucking turn it was. I thought it was mine. I didn't want to step on your well, toes. you had to break out of your mind to get there. Uh, breakout star of the year is the performer who broke the record for best-selling. Well, didn't break the record for best-selling, but had the best-selling T-shirt, this year in pro wrestling tees, and I think that speaks of itself, especially for somebody who, uh, two years ago, nobody barely anybody knew. One year ago, a handful of people knew and were sick, didn't want to see them. You know, it's really Orange crazy to Cassidy. think
1: AEW held that record three times in like four months this year.
0: It's crazy. Orange and, well, Cassidy
1: was first. I mean, to be sting, f- and then Brody's
0: memorial shirts. To be fair, obviously. WWE doesn't sell on there, and AEW is the next biggest, so I guess you would hope they would. Yeah. But Sting, again, has decades behind him. Brody Lee has decades behind him. Orange Cassidy, uh, he's been around for. Seven-ish. With this character, I was going to say with this character about five, six years, maybe. Yeah. And um, you know, he, he, before this, he actually tried to wrestle like a, like a young buck and whatnot, you know, and, and it didn't work for him. And he said, you know what, it's I'm going to do the look. exact opposite. So for this guy to actually sell, be the best selling of 2020. And I mean, you look at the signs in the arenas, You look at the hashtags. I mean, Orange Cassidy is fucking over. Even he was like a huge
1: costume this year
0: for Halloween. Yeah, part of that's probably because it's the easiest. (laughs) Everybody (laughs) has a pair of jeans, and you can buy aviator sunglasses at Walmart for two (laughs) fifty. But nonetheless, I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to find a jean (laughs) jacket in (laughs) twenty
1: twenty.
0: Uh, but uh, yeah, Orange Cassidy definitely deserves this spot. Even me, as I was a fan of Orange Cassidy, but I, you know, I'd see him three, four times a year. I'd, I'd yeah. watch a YouTube video of something that was awesome, you know, a match that he had or something.
1: Yeah. In the beginning, I never thought he was actually going to get over in an AEW. I thought they were going to burn him out too quick.
0: Yeah, that was me. I was like, "This, this gimmick doesn't work." Yeah. In long term, it doesn't work long term. But man, he's he's made it work long term. He's had really good, exciting matches, and he's had really fun, funny matches. And he's made himself a fixture in the the pro wrestling realm.
1: He's the Roman Reigns of AEW with that orange punch. He finds oh, better than Roman punch? does, by far.
0: It's he, no Sonny D, just ask that kid going through the refrigerator, but nonetheless it's good. <laughs> I don't know if people remember that. And the people...
1: Mimosa Mayhem match. That iconic shit right there.
0: Yeah, we all like to forget that Mimosa Mayhem match.
1: It wasn't that bad. I think by your standards, it was better than the Stadium Stampede, even though I love that match, too.
0: Ooh, they were both up there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> And yet, they still beat out WWE for shitty. You know, what I mean, even when they didn't quite hit a home run, they were still better than WWE's swing and misses, such as the fucking TLC match, and uh, that was bad. Remember that one? <laughs> yeah. WWE's TLC cinematic match. Yeah. God, that was awful. <laughs> uh,
1: speaking WWE of awful, WWE t- tables, ladders, chairs, and stairs. That was
0: yeah, funny oh, that was something else, wasn't it? <laughs> and I mean, we could go on and on about awful stuff, pasty. But um, our next award really kind of encompasses maybe the most awful thing that happened this year.
1: Oh yeah, yeah.
0: The- I guess outside of uh, uh, WWE backlash.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and the passing of Brody Brody Lee and numerous other wrestling icons. Uh no this this award goes to the botch of the year, and I I, I think there was a couple of contenders, and, and the funny thing is it being both from brothers, but the <laughs> botch of the year goes to Matt Hardy in AEW for the forklift spot with Sammy Guevara.
0: I don't even um full you know,
1: contact with that. We, the we failed at this is?
0: pasty because we were supposed to look up when. What that actually happened on, <laughs> um, but it was bad. It was really bad, and it wasn't so much the botch. the The botch itself was bad, but I don't think it would take um, the cake as the botch of the year. It was the fact that they kept the match going and made it continue to wrestle. Was it at Double or Nothing?
1: Yeah, it was their last pay per view.
0: Yeah, so it was um, it was the fact that they made him keep wrestling that I, I think I, makes it the revancha weird. They the year, let you know?
1: him keep wrestling. He was the one who said I'm okay to go, and they shouldn't have let him go
0: well yes you are correct the man i don't in think tony Khan was ever there like
1: you got to finish this match i don't think that the, especially after you know what we've seen emotionally from him the last couple of weeks like uh right he's a big softy he, he wouldn't have let matt hardy if it's just matt hardy's got the tenure if he says he's okay who am i to say he's not okay while well, all you out. That's the
0: what boss. it. There you it go. Happened on all out. There we go. <laughs> One of their biggest ones. Double or nothing or all out. You know. mm. uh, yeah, it was just. It was sad. It's a, a reminder that as as far as the business has evolved, there's still places we need to work on. Um, health officials and company officials shouldn't rely on the word of their wrestlers. No. After an injury like that happens, mm. shut it down, move on. um I mean, we we all know we've all heard the stories, and Matt Matt Hardy is an old school wrestling guy, which is makes me feel old to say that now. Yeah, well, but,
1: he is, he's from the era of headshots with chairs, you know. And... Yeah,
0: and of an era where it was like you just you you move on, you shake it off. You know, they they'd literally say walk it off. You got a concussion, walk it off. Mm. You know. Hey, boss, I really fucked up my head. I'm seeing stars, you know. Uh, what are we going to do about tomorrow's show that I'm supposed to main event? You're going to fucking drive there now, and you're going to go work it. Gotcha, boss. You know, I mean, that, that used to be the norm. And there's supposed to be big, tough guys who can handle that. But we've learned through the NFL, through Chris Benoit, through um, Chris Nowinski. Nowinski? Yeah. 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 Who's done a lot of work on CTE since he left pro wrestling. Doesn't work that way. Doesn't just shut it down. Even if he doesn't have a concussion, shut it down. And there are going to be people who get pissed at you for doing it saying, Oh, Kim man, but they're going to be few and far between probably vocal, but
1: any, anybody who, who saw that knew it was serious from the, from the moment it happened, you couldn't miss the fact that his head was the first thing to hit concrete without any kind of bracing from the t- the tables that were supposed to catch him. For real. It it was bad and he continued the match and it wasn't worth it for him to continue the match. It didn't make it better it wasn't by any critting. means. No.
0: he Yeah, it very much looked <laughs> like a bad match afterwards. i herkens- alright. Yeah, it harkens back to the uh, Mick Foley um, Hell in a Cell where it's like so many people think that's like Mick Foley's greatest match. And it's like, you know, yeah, it's very memorable. It's one of the worst matches in WWF history. It's really a shitty match. Yeah. It's not a good match and it's not enjoyable to watch. It's, it sucks, but
1: <sighs> and Jesus Christ, Brody Lee and Matt Hardy debuted on the same day. What if we lost both of them this year? That would,
0: that would have been awful. Uh, yeah. It, I hate to say it, we'd, we'd have been talking about Matt Hardy right now and not Brody, probably. I think he would have overshadowed Brody. Yeah. You know, sadly, but I think it would have. Especially Brody if it had happened from something in-ring related.
1: When somebody who's been there and hit their peak and and, 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 and you know, they've done the whole thing, it's a bit different.
0: Yeah. Just ask Danny Hodge, a patient she doesn't give a fuck about.
1: <laughs> Just ask.
0: Uh... Just ask Beef Sticks Lifetime Achievement Award winner, yeah. Double P Pat Patterson. Pat Patterson
1: oh. also died this year. Didn't. <laughs> <laughs> You're so enthusiastic saying that you fucker. <laughs> Woo. He's old, man. He's old. And he's one of Vince's best friends. How good could he really be?
0: He wasn't that old, though, to be honest, to be dying. No, yeah, yeah. He died at a young age. Um, Survived by his life partner. Uh, no, no, not survived. Louis died before he did. Louis died yeah. uh, the day after King of the Ring. Actually, I think King of the Ring 98, I want to say. Louis died. Louis was a professional hairdresser. Mm. Yep, but I think uh, yeah, Pat Patterson is very. Um, I don't think he gets. He doesn't get the due that he deserves. Not only was he an amazing and fantastic pro wrestler, and of course, uh, he uh, he he had a long lustrous career, but he did so much for WWF. Going all the way back to the first WrestleMania he was a part of, and all the way through the uh, past, the Attitude Era that everybody says is is the best thing in the world. I think every highlight that you have seen in WWF over the past 30 years, Pat Patterson had a hand in. You know what I mean?
1: Just imagine all the careers we might not have seen if he wouldn't have been there to scout them.
0: Oh, so many. And and he was their go-to finish guy. You know, he was the guy that made some of the best finishes of matches that we love today that we might not even remember if he didn't have done their finish. And as we talked about in our underrated tag team segment, uh, Stevens and Patterson was one of the best tag teams back in the 60s 70s and people just don't talk about them anymore but they truly were they were the team to beat back then mm-hmm. um, you know Patterson without any of his wrestling accolades would get a lifetime achievement award just for how much his mind has put in to the wrestling business and formed the wrestling business today every company today from WWF aew impact Ring of Honor, the new NWA, MLW, all of them are molded in some way by Pat Patterson's doings throughout WWF. He's he gonna is, be uh, missed. He is, and um, and I wanna I wanna share a story that that uh for for folks who maybe uh listen to adfreeshows.com or something you may have already heard this but pat patterson told a story at a live show <clears throat> and i'm not going to i'm not going to say the full word cuz i'm not an asshole but he was having a he was having a match oh was it again it wasn't against Zabisco. anyways he was having a match against, against one of the guys and of course the other guy was the heel patterson was the face and this guy out on the ring apron he said to the heel, "Hey heel, you're a fucking f-word," referring to a homosexual. <laughs> and Patterson locked up with that guy and said, "If only they fucking knew." <laughs> <laughs> like, That's just awesome. That's just awesome. <laughs> good old Pat. He. he uh, I wish I could have met the guy because he seemed like he always had like a, a really good. A positive sense about him.
1: He'd be a good one to have a beer with.
0: Oh, for sure. Uh, He'd be a good one to take a shot of tequila.
1: Yeah. Ooh, we're on the same page, man. Salt up the rim. It's time for this year's tequila shot, which is our award for the most impactful thing, event, or person. In the entirety of professional wrestling. And in 2020, as much as it sickens me to say it, that award needs to go to COVID-19. It shut shit down. It made people think on their toes. It changed the game as we know it.
0: This is... This is the first event, pasty, in yours and in my lifetime that has not only changed pro wrestling but changed the world at the same time. Nothing else has ever done that in our lifetime.
1: DX did that.
0: Oh, shut the fuck up!
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just because you had to go to detention for crotch <laughs> shopping doesn't mean it changed the world, pasty. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh but truly, I mean it's just like I mean COVID could win the tequila shot for the world, not just not just pro wrestling. Yeah. There was nothing more impactful this entire year. Talk about three hundred
1: and eighty thousand it... Americans dead, almost two million across the globe. <laughs> yeah, COVID affected a lot of things this year.
0: Wrestlers have lost their jobs companies have ended up shutting down. And even, even let's say the positives about it, you know, it changed the, the whole cinematic, uh, match, which of course impact made popular. Yeah. And, and to be fair, they've had semi, semi, sim sim semi, semi, semi yeah, they've had similar cinnamon. They've had similar cinematic matches in the past, but super few and far between. Uh-huh. And yeah, this year truly showed, um, it, it created the Thunderdome that never would have existed before. I mean, this has caused ramifications that are going to change things going forward forever. Like there are certain things that are not going back to normal folks.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You think, you think it's 2021 and the masks are done? <laughs> no they say even with the vaccine you're supposed to continue to wear a mask until about 70% of the population has received
0: oh it. for sure <laughs> so um, yeah how did, how does this not get that i mean that's that's a no brainer that's what we didn't even have to think about folks sorry mm-hmm. we took a uh, took a night off I'd on say, that one
1: i'd say in wrestling and for beef sticks the the biggest thing has been the cinematic matches I mean, without COVID, we would have never got the Firefly Funhouse match, which is John Cena's last match in WWE. And that was amazing.
0: Probably that was my favorite super one fun. of the year. God, I loved that. It so many so people fun. hate it. So many people find it the worst. I've seen it ranked multiple times on worst cinematic matches or worst matches this year. Oh,
1: Jesus. God. Every other it. cinematic match was shit by comparison. And I mean, to
0: be fair, it wasn't a match <laughs> no. in a traditional term. And I, I will give you that.
1: No, it was kind of like was, Southpaw no, Wrestling, no but if it was Bray Wyatt-themed.
0: Yeah, it was still so super awesome.
1: Uh-huh. It was perfect, the way they tied his whole career in a bow and fucking... And John Cena's acting in it was just amazing. I love. I still, every time I think about it, I just think of him pumping the iron really fast. <laughs>
0: the... yeah, coming out with the uh, the Hollywood Hogan belt to the NWO. Yeah.
1: Uh, so good. So good. We had the, the, what was the Undertaker AJ Styles match called?
0: The, um, a boneyard match. Yeah, there you go. Which let's be honest, the cinematic, th- this whole COVID cinematic thing is the only reason we got botchamania. That yeah. never would have fucking happened if it wasn't for everything else going on. Right.
1: Well, they wouldn't have been like go from WWE if it wouldn't have been for COVID.
0: That's true. Also. <laughs> yeah. To be Yo. fair, Brody Lee probably wouldn't have been let go from WWE. Uh-huh.
1: COVID-19 cost Rey Mysterio his eye and saw him thrown off the top of WWE headquarters in Stanford, Connecticut.
0: And it's had his daughter, uh, uh, statutorily raped by <laughs> Buddy Murphy or something, or well, I don't
1: well, know what's Alexa going on that just kind of right? winks at it on Twitter. Like, Whoa. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't know what's going on in that storyline, but Go I get just feel a lot bud. of
1: hate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's been an odd year for the Mysterios, but hey, Dominic signed to WWE now. Wonder yeah, if to him be and fair, Brody so Jr. are going to have a match somewhere down the line. i was just going to say,
0: to be fair, eight-year-old Brody <laughs> Huber got signed to a contract too, so it's not saying much, buddy. I
1: can't wait till the triple threat of Brody Jr., Dominic Mysterio, and Nicholas. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I thought you were going to throw in fucking uh, David <laughs> David Benoit. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: no, nobody's ever going to sign him. He looks too much like his dad. It's terrifying. <sighs>
0: It's, it's sad, too, but that's a whole other thing. The uh,
1: interviews he did this year, just so hopeful that he was going to go to AEW or WWE. Going like, to do it. <laughs>
0: going to do it. You know what he should do? He should uh, go to the same pla- plastic surgeon that The weekend went to. Nobody yeah. will ever fucking recognize him then. Nobody. Uh, Motherfucker went from The weekend to Monday. <laughs>
1: Nobody gives The Weeknd enough credit for being, like, the black mirror of pop music. He's always been, like, everything with him is subliminal. And, like, if you're not, if you're just hearing the song and you're not watching the video, you're not understanding what the story is whatsoever.
0: The Weekend's still really good, too. I enjoy yes. listening to The Weeknd. He is. As much as people want to hate on today's music.
1: No, I think I think him like Kendrick Lamar. You can listen to it on a surface level and it's good bopping music, and then and then you can listen to it on a deeper level and have a whole another experience. Right? Yep, yep, yep. Neither one of us like are bil- involved with wrestling.
0: <laughs> no. But something that is, we're gonna go from the worst uh, to the best, but definitely had some implications. Folks would call them negative implications but hey, sometimes you get what you deserve. Inspiration of the year, pasty, and throughout the year there's been so many great inspirations. This year, it's, uh, it may seem negative, but the Speaking Out movement, the hashtag Speaking Out, it finally let female wrestlers stand up to abusers in the industry. And you know what? Not just female wrestlers. There have been some male wrestlers who have gotten to stand up against uh, male and female abusers. But, against people who either sexually assault them, treat them like objects, maybe verbally assault them. Some of them just said, you know what, they they just treated me like shit and they used me. And, you know, maybe they didn't sexually abuse me, but they still used me and made me feel like dirt. Um. yeah so many huge names and small names are out of work right now. Uh, we're going to be talking about Marty girl in the upcoming uh, episode that follows this, actually episode one of season four, our first official episode, not special.
1: This is episode negative one. Yeah,
0: <laughs> this is the Brody Lee Junior episode. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's gonna be Just, signed to uh, AEW when it turns eighteen.
0: This whole speaking out movement, though, it's 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 good to see. This may be the best thing for female wrestlers, and I know it's all genders, yeah, it's but it cleaned the fucking
1: garbage at least a good chunk of it out of an industry that is so tied up in its own roots and and where wrestling was 50 60 years ago is not a good place to be and and not many workplaces to this day are are subject to the kind of behavior that that people in general have suffered at at the hands of some professional wrestlers.
0: Yeah. This industry really is easily a decade or two behind every other industry.
1: It really is. It's, it's sick and it's sad and I'm glad that the speaking out movement was able to take out some of the trash.
0: I am too. And to be fair, there probably are some innocents who have been hurt by the speaking out movement. But I will say, I think it's, it's okay that some innocents get hurt in the fact that so many horrible monsters are getting put out.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's going to That is Alberto Del Rio. I oh, mean, no. Christ. Ugh.
0: He was, um he was kind of the uh, Harvey Weinstein of pro wrestling where Everybody, even casual viewers, knew he was a horrible human being to women, manipulated and, and used his power and abused and degraded. And still, everybody kept giving him championships and hiring him. And it's uh-huh. like it was nothing it was, was ever never, done about it. Exactly. And it culminated
1: with a weekend of rape and sodomization with objects around the house, beating <sighs> a woman, and threatening Tied to drop up. her kid off in the middle of the street somewhere. Yep. Yeah, Yeah, like
0: shit, like like it was literally an episode of of fucking Criminal Minds, you know what I mean? Or or Law & Order SVU.
1: I would definitely rather a handful of aspiring talent have to deal with the sting of being outcast from their profession than seeing five, six of them grow up to become like that.
0: 100. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Agreed. Uh... No good transition from this one. So let's just go into it. Right. Well, we talked about some despicable
1: males in the last segment. Now we're going to talk about the male wrestler of the year. I mean, hands down the guy held two belts for 90% of the ninety No, the whole year. Yeah. yeah the whole year <laughs> from the first pay-per-view till the end of the year. Tetsuya Naido bringing the beefy home for New Japan Pro Wrestling. I mean, the best pay per view of the year, double champion. Of course, he was going to get the spot, right?
0: Uh, Man, guy in one of the biggest non American factions of all time, L.I.J. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. <sighs>
1: You know, at the beginning of 2020, I would have suspected we'd be hoisting John Moxley up as the male wrestler of the year, but yeah. Moxley as a character, is kind of boring. He's like the old guy, the old grizzled veteran, and it just falls kind of flat. I don't know.
0: He definitely hasn't taken off. He's kind of in the Kenny Omega His phase. His
1: matches are good, but just him as a character, it just doesn't... Right. Something's not hitting for me.
0: Uh, uh, yeah, Tetsuya Naito, uh number one, he's been one of the best wrestlers in the world for okay. years now. Yeah, I've often said he's my number two in New Japan. Still to this day, he's my number two in New Japan. I think uh, Kazuchiko Okada is a better wrestler than him, but I don't think Kazuchiko Okada had a better year than him in 2020. The He didn't maybe have as many matches as some of the other champions in the business, but I dare say all of his matches were amazing and you can't say that about all of them and and so these two these two championships the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship and IWGP World Intercontinental Championship are so prestigious have so much history
1: we never thought they they were going to put both belts on one guy let alone keep them there for a year
0: and they the, the thing I love about it is they haven't combined them they haven't unified them. So I still believe that at one point, somebody's going to be icy and somebody's going to be World. Yep. They're not unifying it. But it's, I mean, Naito has stepped up. You look at back in the day, uh, Okada stepped up when Tanahashi was reaching his peak. And now Naito has stepped up when Okada is probably reaching his peak, to be honest. Um, that being said, we've got to talk about the upcoming uh, Wrestle Kingdom, but... Nonetheless, um, yeah. How how do you not? Who did better than Nido as far as singles goes? Nobody. Nobody. No. Uh. And uh, apparently, pasty. Um, we are. We we don't. We're big on POCs. We're not. We don't discriminate. We don't have to look for, the, for the great white hope because our male wrestler of the year happens to be a, a Japanese pro wrestler who spends most of his time in Japan. And the female wrestler of the year is a Japanese wrestler who spent most of her career in Japan, although this past year has been spent in the United States. Hikaru Shida, the AWA or the AEW. <laughs> That's a <laughs> throwback. <well> <laughs> the AEW women's champion and uh, probably the most dominant women's champion that they've had so far. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Even even more so than Nyla Rose, which is surprising.
0: Yeah, more than Riho or, or Nyla Rose. She has definitely been dominant.
1: But every time her Shida gets in the ring, you can feel her energy. And whether it's just just a, a flat-out one-on-one match where she's fairly confident she's going to win, or it's a match where you know one of her best friends just killed herself the match where yeah. she beat Nyla Rose for the championship. You could feel yeah. her hurt and you could feel that energy coming from her the entire match. I appreciate wrestlers like that. And, and and she doesn't have to talk to tell you the story. You just get it from seeing her in action.
0: She tells the story in the ring. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point, Pasty, especially the uh, tribute match that she had. And I I do want to point out one thing. Actually, I want to point out two things here. Ukad Shida is the best woman wrestler in a company that has probably the worst women's division. So I'll give her credit. It's easy to shine there. I, I will say that. Secondly, during the pandemic, I think women wrestling was hit the hardest. I think people knew they had very few moments of putting action on the screen or in the ring, and they chose to go to their male wrestlers because, as we said, pro wrestling is decades behind, and they think only male wrestlers will bring in money. So there really wasn't much. You had uh, Tessa Blanchard, who was probably a favorite for this at the beginning of the year, completely going uh, silent and, um, and... there's been talk since then, and, and the story isn't probably exactly what we thought it was. But nonetheless, um, I will say, this was a rough year for the women, so, you know, would she have won last year? Would she, will she win next year? We don't know. That's, you know, that's Monday Monday morning quarterbacking, but... Nonetheless, this year, she was the best female. She put on the best matches. She's holding a women's title from one of the top brands, and she's been dominant in that brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, what more do you look for for Female Wrestler of the Year? I don't know. I don't oh, know. Either. Actually, I want to add one more thing. She doesn't use TNA, to, and I don't mean the, the wrestling. I mean she, she doesn't objectify herself to get herself airtime. She doesn't wear skimpy outfits. She doesn't shake her butt getting in the ring. She's a role Um, model,
1: but not like Bayley in the annoying sense. right. It works. I really like the work she put out this year. Apparently, what culture, or yeah, what culture didn't, because they they listed her as their number two most boring wrestler of 2020.
0: You told me that, and I just cannot believe that. That's fucked. It's That's fucked. very fucked. Because she definitely be, was not. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, she is not my favorite woman wrestler in AEW. And she's uh, she's probably not in my top three. Top five, yeah, I would say. But not in my top three. But nonetheless, um, I feel 100% that she earned this. I don't mm. know who else it would have been. Um, I don't even remember who we had in the runnings for it, just to be honest, pasty
1: uh, Bailey was in there. Um, uh, Bailey,
0: Bailey, would deserve Deanna, to be in Pirazzo.
1: there.
0: Perazzo would deserve. Yeah. Those were the three. Yeah. Perazzo, Bailey, and Shida. And those, those are the three that I guess would deserve to be in there. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, Perazzo is the woman's champion of the probably best women's division in wrestling right now. Impact. Bailey, she's a woman's champion of the biggest pro wrestling company. And Hikaru Shida, the women's champion of, uh, the best pro wrestling company in 2020. If you listen to Beefsticks sticks podcast.
1: Yes. Ah, you have the best man. You have the best woman. now we just got to talk about the biggest waste space in the room, the scum on your shoe and the Jerry of the year. Ugh. Fat Mac this year. It goes to the man. Who wrote his own fan fiction about how he killed a guy? As a preteen. Yeah, as a preteen. Uh Marty, Marty Eddie.
0: Where to start with this fucking Jerry? First of all, I think he is the most rehired wrestler in WWF history. And that could only be more than Alberto Del Rio. Maybe Jim the Anvil Neidhart was more rehired than him. Um, Jeff Jarrett's in the running, but not as much. But this guy who had, he had the potential to be a top star. Maybe not your very, I mean, in those days, maybe not the, the top star, but a top star for sure. Whew. (laughs) <laughs> the guy made Him up the story about... and Tammy about... Sitch,
1: man. I, I bet they're, like, oh. shoot up together or something.
0: <laughs> and Tammy Sitch, man, we all, we all lusted after her when, in our younger years. <laughs> Not anymore. Now she's on videos pooting for the camera. <laughs> but Marty Jannetty, he poots in his own way. Um, he was trying to date... A, he was asking the internet if he should date a girl who it turns out could possibly be his daughter. Do- well, no, he was already dating her. Should he sleep with a girl who could possibly be his daughter, but he doesn't know she's his daughter? Um, actually, let me preface this by saying I don't believe anything the fucker says. So I don't think there's a girl who could be his daughter that he has a chance to fuck. But I think that this guy thinks he's cool by making people think that he might fuck his daughter. <laughs> He thinks it's cool for people to think that he might have fucking murdered a dude. And uh, what was the latest one that you Oh, the, the porn movie, page. Yes,
1: yes. This is just before the end of the year. I got it up on my screen After right now. we
0: had already chosen him <laughs> as our Jerry of the Year, mind you. This is yes. just icing on the goddamn cake. <laughs> uh, he tweets, this is cray. Porn.
1: They just called me again. From what they said... And I won't say erotica. Mia Khalifa is a big fan, so has already said yes. Two movie deal, two hundred thaw What would you do? First Mia of Khalifa all, Mia hasn't I, done porn for quite some time. I was just gonna
0: say, am I a horrible, horrible person for knowing who Mia Khalifa is? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But nonetheless, yeah, that's this guy is just. He should be called Marty the Jerry, not Marty Jannetty.
1: <laughs> Marty Jannetty.
0: Or Jerry should have been named Marty in Rick and Morty. You know what I mean? It's like Morty. these two guys are the same cocksucker. Uh, I'm, Marty Jannetty is in better shape than Jerry, but I think Jerry bangs hotter girls than Marty Jannetty. So, yeah, that that chick with the Jerry could say the, he's ooh, had with sex the... with an alien
1: and people will believe him.
0: Great. Remember that chick with the three vaginas? Yep. I want to bang a chick with three vaginas. <laughs> Haven't done it yet.
1: Wasn't it three boobs and two vaginas?
0: Was it two? I thought he said, Do you want to know what else she has three of? <laughs> oh yeah,
1: but yeah. But I, I yeah, could yeah.
0: be wrong. <laughs> I banged a I banged a dude with three testicles one time. Nice. Well, I mean, Afterwards, you showed me that you just taped a marble to your sack. But nonetheless, it was fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? I
1: remember that. Steak in the shower night. Strata was on the
0: camera. Oh, so much Mm. fun. Yes. Actually, I think uh, uh, Khalifa, what the fuck is her name?
1: Mia Khalifa.
0: I think Mia Khalifa still owes us some money for that video. She made a lot of money off of that (laughs) shit. Remember, she just superimposed her face over yours and, and sold it for, a, for oh, a bundle.
1: You're getting it wrong. You had too much tequila that night. Mia Khalifa made a brief you know cameo Me- as tia- my third testicle.
0: Basically, Tia Tequila was that the other night. We had Tila Tequila the other night. This was this was Mia Khalifa. <laughs> I know it sounded. Tia Tequila and Mia Khalifa. And I know it gets mixed in there. <laughs> That's right. She was your testicle, though, wasn't she? Yes. Because her heels kept kept hitting my Achilles tendon, <laughs> very uncomfortable. She was a good sport though. How did Marty still Giannetti more get
1: believable with... than Marty Janetti?
0: <laughs> How did Marty Janetti <laughs> get with the best fucking off track segment of the night though? <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh... I could just. I could just—I remember hearing the music as Mia Khalifa was coming down the, the, the hallway to the showers, and it makes me think, pasty, of uh, a beef. It was beef Hulk stick Hogan's
1: or... NWO theme.
0: Something. <laughs> t- <bow>, <laughs> well, it makes me think of of a beef stick award that that you really have a, a, a strong connection to. You are very music oriented. Take a lot into it, and and sadly, over the years, I just. I just skipped the music now and I forget it and I don't remember it. But <laughs> one theme that I know that I loved first time I heard it and I was pissed when I heard it was changed and you and I both feel it was the best entrance theme of 2020 Keith Lee's entrance music and no folks don't start throwing your tomatoes. We're talking about the original NXT theme in His glory.
1: Even though the same band two years prior wrote "Glorious" for Bobby Roode, which he, which I always thought it, was man. like it was uh, a CFO dollars. Is it CFO money? Yeah, yep. And that's why they wanted to get rid of it because now they're not using their music anymore because of royalties. Yeah, uh, which I get, but
0: yeah, as as a company, I do get, but yes, it's
1: that was the best song, and they called him up to the main roster, and they took the song away, and they told him he. Has to stop talking like Bill Shatner, and now they're trying to send him back to training because he's apparently not good enough, even though he's the most talented person WWE has currently. Yeah, <laughs> I guess I'll say at least the the most talented big man, but I believe he's the most talented person on the roster. It's
0: a whole debacle. I mean, he's he's definitely he's definitely the most talented, probably undercard guy. I mean, you can, can argue. He, can all, can speak styles, with a southern like accent?
1: <laughs> no, we're changing your whole
0: gimmick Keith, we're going to give you a spear and a mask And have you paint stars on your boobies <laughs> On your chocolate boobies
1: Keith, we're going to say Mark Henry's your father Yes, you are the son of sexual chocolate <laughs> uh. So i just much. i love keith lee
0: he needs to get he the has fuck so out of much there. talent he would be great in uh well he I, I i don't know about aew because aew also is pretty jam-packed but man bring him into uh impact or Fuck yeah. impact he'd do awesome in. Uh-huh. actually he'd fit right in the main event there
1: i'd even take him in nwa i think he's got the size and stature that he can come off as that old school style at the oh, same for time sure. of being a big, fast, flying, fat man.
0: For sure. I'm just, I'm honestly concerned about NWA this year. This is a, literally a make or break year for them, I think. Yeah. So.
1: Billy Corgan just needs to put out some more Smashing Pumpkins albums.
0: That'll take care of it. You no, know, Pay for it. <laughs> Those royalty checks ain't coming in should, hard enough. You should
1: do a Smashing Pumpkins album with tracks featuring NWA wrestlers. That's how you make the money.
0: I can dig it. You then you, you appeal to both audiences.
1: Yes. In a way uh, that few have done since Macho Man Randy Savage.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Rapping Macho Man guy that talked the slowest in wrestling thought he'd put out a rap album. <laughs> he was uh, about as
1: good as, as uh, Master P.
0: Master P made him say, ah, uh, though. Yeah. He did. Somebody who isn't saying, ah. Uh, got the best storyline of WWE, of, of 2020 altogether, and it happened to be in WWE, which, honestly, you wouldn't think. You would think WWE would get the worst storyline. Spoiler alert!
1: They eat um, the shit out at the end <laughs> of the year, man.
0: But uh, WWE actually did get the best storyline of the year, and, again, we're giving the nod to good old Roman Reigns. This whole Tribal Chief thing with him... Uh, being the head of the table, him turning the Usos' heel, him bringing in the wild Samoans. And then I thought they would, you know, side with the Usos. Yeah. But no, they were on Rock's side. They were backing him. And it's like, Afa, Sika, you got the Usos, you got Roman as the tribal chief, the head of the table. You got, as you mentioned, Pasty, Paul Paul Heyman as the mouthpiece.
1: (laughs) Yeah. even Holy though he doesn't really shit. need to do anything. He's not even really talking.
0: No, cause Roman actually does heel promos better than he does face promos. Yeah, Who
1: would have thought suffering succotash son. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah, uh, you know, amazingly, you know, there's, I, I will say one thing for us, pasty one thing for beef sticks. We kind of go all over the place. We're maybe pretty unique. There's no fucking bias in P- in beef sticks. We call it down the middle. If there's an organization we hate. There's very few times we agree.
1: How could we be biased?
0: That's true. But if there's (laughs) an organization that neither one of us like that does something awesome, we say it's awesome. If there's Uh an organization that we love that does something shitty, we say it's shitty. We just call it what it is because at the end of the day, I think you and I are both wrestling fans before anything else. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. And WWE earned the best storyline with the Tribal Chief. I think they really got everybody's attention, made a lot of noise, and turned a dead gimmick of Roman Reigns into the top gimmick of probably wrestling right now.
1: And found a way to get over brand new pearly white teeth without anybody really talking about it too much because he's a heel. It makes sense for him to have it
0: like makes a sense. Thick teeth. Remember when they first turned him babyface? They had him put those blue contacts in, and he had blue eyes. <laughs> Nobody questioned that shit either. I had female, I had females who are like wrestling fans, but not like diehard wrestling fans. Are like, oh, his beautiful blue eyes, and I'm just like. He had brown eyes two weeks ago. You realize that, right? <laughs> no, oh, those are natural. Get the fuck out of here.
1: Just the eyes are just as fake as the cancer. Sorry. <laughs> remember when he won the counter oh. crusher award? <laughs> I'll tell you
0: what, pasty. If, if if you and I can remember uh, in between these two episodes, uh, remind me of that. <laughs> The fake cancer. Yeah. I got a story for you, buddy.
1: All right.
0: Um, And and it's one of the worst stories, but not the worst (laughs) pasty. Why is that?
1: Because WWE is not allowed to be the worst promotion of the year. Have the best storyline, the comeback of the year, and still not have the worst storyline of the year. Are you fucking (laughs) kidding me? Have you seen retribution? They spent a year building this up with the fucking hacker to put a paper mask on fucking Cracker Jack. <laughs> and just fuck up a whole line of NXT superstars who probably weren't ready to come to the main roster.
0: Dude, but with a name like Teabag, bag how can you go wrong? Ah, <laughs> uh,
1: retribution. I am g and I will move my testicles into your mouth. It pains me that this wasn't one of those three-week experiments like uh, Raw Underground was, and that it didn't just go away, because this is still going on now. I can guarantee you're never going to see it happen on a (laughs) pay-per-view. So you and I will probably never see them again.
0: Right.
1: But they're still on Raw. It's not like they got put on main event.
0: You know, and the sad thing was, Pasty, when this first debuted, I was like, you know what? It's really bad, but give it some time. They could grow this into something cool. And where AEW grew the Dark Order, man, WWE has fucking flopped Retribution. <laughs> And having fucking Ali be the leader of the group did not help. Who the fuck thought oh, that was a shot right. in the arm?
1: Yep. no, Ali's career has been over since he, he had to leave because of injury and Kofi took his spot. That was the end of of his run, and it ain't coming back.
0: I mean, Dominic Dijakovic would have been a better fucking pick as leader. Yeah. And I'm, oh, I'm not even yeah. a fan of his. I think he's, he's super overrated, but nonetheless, at least he has – He has, you know, cred with the, uh, with the indie crowd, with the marks, whatever you want to call them.
1: Yeah. You know, retribution was a really lame answer back for the dark order. And that's exactly why it was put into place. That's why the group came before the leader, you know?
0: But the worst thing is, is when, (laughs) when they tried to counter, uh, uh, counter program the dark order was when the Dark Order was the shits. Yeah. Like, we could have left them alone and let them die. <laughs> there was no reason to counter-program that, because they, right. they weren't helping ratings at that time.
1: WWE is probably a good part of the reason why Dark, or- Dark or- Order got Order over. Order got over, yeah. yeah <laughs> because we're like, oh, this is really bad, and then WWE's like, hold my beer. Oh, right. So you really bad.
0: It's like the, um, it's like... Uh, Retribution was the duff for dark order. <laughs> I don't know how many folks here uh, went to school in the 90s, but a duff is the quote unquote um, designated ugly fat friend. And basically the it's every every group of females has one woman who's a decent amount less attractive than them so that they always look better. And I, yeah, I agree with you, Pacey. I think Retribution was the duff to the Dark Order. Dark Order could have fucking died and failed if Retribution hadn't come along and made us say, "Ah, eh, Dark Order's okay." <laughs> <laughs> I'd I'd hit that with the lights off. I don't know. <laughs> keep the mask on. Yeah, Retribution is definitely the Duff, I think. Uh, We we should have a Duff Award. There
1: we go.
0: (laughs) Uh, I don't know if it would ever work in any other year, but 2020.
1: Yeah, probably not.
0: Probably not. (laughs) Oh, pasty... Uh. I think uh I think it's time to about finish this up. We've we've gotten a good amount on this special to be honest.
1: Yes, indeed. And we've and, given uh, honor to the companies and the wrestlers, but I think now it's time we take a look at the people who make television
0: worth watching. Well, pasty, as you and I are both talkers who sell our our voices and our words and our banter. It seems poignant to end the beefies with the best commentary team. Now, there were a lot of really bad ones, and it kind of came down to two groups between you and I. And, um, you know, I think this ended up being the best one. It actually is a newer commentary team.
1: It's AEW's announced team, guys.
0: No, it never will be. (laughs) If we had Um, a worse commentary team,
1: they might win one, though.
0: Honestly, I think best I think this commentary team's only been around for 3 months in 2020 yeah. roughly. Yep. But nonetheless, um in a year full of bad commentary teams and of course no shows so no commentary, there's not a lot to go off of and these 3 are all well, I was going to say these 3 are all hall of famers in my mind. Not all of them. But they're all amazing talents in their own right. Pasty Best Commentary Team goes to the NXT Commentary Team of Stu Bennett, Beth Phoenix, and Nigel McGuinness.
1: Yes, yes. I only regret that Maro Ranallo is not part of this team as well.
0: Agree, but I'm glad that he has made peace with himself and stepped away from a toxic industry that would only continue to probably harm him. Yes. Uh, Nigel McGuinness this man is a walking wrestling encyclopedia in fact at one point he was in my opinion the greatest wrestler in the world held the uh, ring of honor pure championship ring of honor world heavyweight championship he joined impact at a time where he could have become the next huge thing but a bout of uh, oh what the fuck did he get um I already forgot what illness he got. Was it? Oh. Anyways, it fucked his whole career up. There's actually a really good... Uh, there, there's two actually really good <clears throat> documentaries on him. One is through WWE, and I watched it, and I was surprised at how good that was. Although his, um, his one outside of WWE is a little better and, of course, covers more of his career, but just an amazing talent. Beth Phoenix, she's a surprisingly better talker than you would expect. She was never bad on the mic, but I think uh-huh. she's
1: Honestly, just- where where uh Renee Young on commentary started out kind of rough, Beth Phoenix for never really being a commentary person, stepped up, took the job and and ran with it with confidence from from I think day one with NXT. And and I think I think she deserves quite a bit of credit.
0: Yeah, uh, 100, and of course, Stu Bennett, uh, not the best wrestler in the world, but man, he was always a good talker as uh, Bad News Barrett, Wade Barrett, the leader of uh-huh. the Nexus, and Stu Bennett in NWA, he was a great commentator, and WWE obvious, or obviously you know, realized the potential of having him on their team and brought him over to it NXT.
1: Didn't take too long of hearing him on commentary for NWA for them to be like, we want the, him here. No, nope. yeah. sometimes when I have a hard time sleeping at night, I put on old Stu Bennett promos. <laughs> Man's got a great voice.
0: So definitely uh, definitely the winner of this year. And when, when you assume they only had three months to go with, it's like, yeah, they've definitely earned it, I think.
1: Well, Fat Mac, for 2020, you earned my Beefy Award for
0: favorite co-host. And Pasty, in 2020, I am my award winner for best co-host also. We agree. All right. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I love you.
1: I love you, sir. Four seasons in. So many more to go. I guess uh, looking at our used audio storage, 482 hours out of 500. 500. I think this might be the time where we have to say, folks, uh, if you listen to us on Spreaker, there may be some changes in the near future. But if you listen to us on any other streaming platform, it'll be like smooth as butter. You'll never know the difference.
0: Right. But like everywhere else in the country, in 2021, we have to make some changes going forward.
1: Yes. in Positive changes. We'll have more information on that coming to you guys in the coming weeks. But, uh, for now, you guys get to take a break and jump into the next episode at your leisure. But we got another show to do, Fat Mac.
0: Woohoo, <laughs> hoo The fun's just starting, pasty.
1: Mm. I'd tell you to snap out of it, but we're just getting started. Beef Podcast, Season 4. Snap it, do it! Spread love like cancer. Fuck fascists.